I don't know if it's you or if it's me or both of us, but or all of us, but um, this weather has kind of got me down. I've had to like drink like five cups of coffee just to get me going this morning. The cloudiness and the coolness. Doug, I think you like that weather. You start to shine during that, I think, coming from Washington. So Doug will pick me up in the winter, and I'll pick you up in the summer. How about that? Sounds good? All right. That sounds good. Um, I want to welcome you, uh, those that are online, those that are here, to True Life Community Church, a place where we are finding our true life uh, in Christ, each and every uh, one of us. So we're continuing this series in 1 John. We're in chapter 2 right now, and there's not a lot of chapters in 1 John, so we're going to be working through that um, into the fall, and so I'm really excited to continue uh, this series. When uh, I was a military instructor, we would have people, they could take a test, and if they passed, they didn't have to do the training. Like, there's no reason to do the training or go through the instructions or the teaching if you already knew, right? And so today, this morning, I want to give you a test and see how you do. You don't have to answer or unless you feel like you want to. Um, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? What is it? Glorify God. Okay, that's a good one. You only have to sit through half of the sermon now, Rich. Half right. No, I'm kidding. I go outside. <laughs> if, you, if you could say it in one word, what would you say? The meaning of life. Love. Love, yeah. That's a good one. You only have to sit through a third of the sermon. So th that question, if you, get, if you get it right, you still have to stay. I want you to stay. I want to encourage you to stick around. Um, but that question was asked. Jesus asked a very important question to his disciples early on in his ministry. And he asked his disciples, he, said, he asked this question in Luke chapter 9. And he asked his disciples, he said, who does the crowd say that I am, right? As I'm out and I'm about and I'm healing and I'm doing all these things, who do they say that I am? I said, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, some say others. Some say teachers, rabbis, some say prophet. Well, he says, well, who do you say that I am? Isn't that one of the most important questions that we have? Who do you say that I am? It really defines who, who we are, as, as who we say we are as Christians, right? Is who we say that Jesus is. And Peter, he looked at him and he says, well, you're the son of God, that you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the one. And Jesus was, of course, blown away. He was like, well, only way you'd known that is my father told you that. Then he goes on to say, he says, well, don't tell anyone that right now, because I still have to go to the cross. Keep that to yourself for a little while. And right after he said that, this is what he said to his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? <coughs> Jesus didn't really beat around the bushes too much. He was just truthful. 
And I was thinking of this question about if we asked the world, was, was Jesus a good person? Most people would say, well, yeah, like Jesus is a good person. He was a, a great person. Like we want to emulate Jesus in our lives. Says, well, do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, or if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, what saves us from our sins? Well, yeah, I think I have come to that point. But if we go on to ask the question of what Jesus is implying here, are you ready to die to self and pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily? And I think that question, we start to say, back it up, preacher boy. Like, that's a lot to ask. It's a lot to say who Jesus really is. And so as we look at this, what is the meaning of life question? We're going to be talking, of course, about Jesus and what that means in our daily walk. What does that mean to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus on a daily basis? A lot of times I hear the argument about Christianity the arguments are usually that the Christianity that I see or that I'm involved with is not Christian enough. Meaning it's not legalistic enough, it's not loving enough, it's not forgiving enough, it's not judging enough, it's not accepting enough. Or it's like, I just don't really understand how this really applies to my life. Like it's not, the Christianity is not Christian enough. Versus the question of who is Jesus? And it's funny that we never really hear arguments about Jesus, like in a negative light. It's usually arguments about the church or somebody, right? I don't like that church, or I don't like that person, or that person fell, or that church, that church let me down. But is it, you ever really hear about, I just don't like Jesus. Like, I don't like what he did this in the Bible. It's more focused on the church and on people and I think if we as a church, like the struggle, the fight, the race that we have been given and, and what we have been told to do as a church is to be all about the gospel of Jesus. And it's hard, it's easy to stray away from that, the meaning and the purpose of, of life. So if you would turn with me to John, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 1 through 6. Now I'm taking these little chunks because what you'll notice is John, he's like 100 years old. He, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? This is the Word of God, um, but it's, it's really kind of jumbled. You've you got to focus on little sections at a time. Like, John will talk about something, then he'll go off to something else, but then he'll circle back to it uh, later. So we're focusing on little chunks, and right now we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 6. And I'm going to give you some background and some history and some of the things, but, but what I want us to do is to focus not on that, but to focus on the simplicity of what John is saying here about Jesus and what he's saying about what we are to do as, as followers of Christ. Here, John, I said in nine, about 90 AD is when John you know, wrote this. John was in that inner circle with Jesus, one of the three. And Jesus says about John was he was the one that I love. He was really close. He's the one leaning on Jesus on his chest, right, during the Last Supper. So John was very close. John, he lived to be an old, per an old person. He was the only one that made it, wasn't martyred up until this point. 
Um, and he was writing this uh, letter as an old man. Someone that had followed Jesus for a long time, so we should follow what he has to say. Some people would say that John is arguing against Gnosticism here, and Gnosticism at the time was making this argument that all things physical are bad and all things spiritual are good, and that we have light within us, we just have to find it. That's the spiritual side of things. And John, they say, is arguing against that, to say, no, Jesus was physical. He was fully man. I could touch him, right? Arm just didn't go through him when I was hanging out with him. I leaned my head on his chest. He was, he was physical. Um, but they were making, he was making this counter-argument against Gnosticism at the time. And he was saying about God is light. And he is holy. He is perfect. There is no darkness in God. We can trust God because there is no darkness. And he's talking about fellowship. Like he desires for you and I to have fellowship with one another. Remember I told the story like history would say, the tradition would say that they would take John as a hundred year old man and the church leaders would take him to the church and they would rise him up where everyone could see him and, and he would say one thing, little children, love one another. And they were like, why are we dragging you around? And that's all you're going to say. And he's like, well, if they could just do that, like we're doing well, they can just do that. A simple message. So he was concerned about fellowship, your fellowship, our fellowship with God and with others, and that how sin in our lives separates us from God. Thanks be to God for Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. But when we sin, it still damages our relationship with God, even as believers. But the good news, the but... There's always good news, right? You read the bad news in the Bible, and there's always the good news. It's usually in the middle is a but. But thanks be to God for Jesus, right? That's what John is teaching us here. So without further ado, let me read verse 1 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But, there's the good news. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides, that stays connected, to God and him ought to walk in the same way in which he, Jesus, walked. So this verse 1 through 6 is John telling, telling us as Christians about, of course, Jesus, but how we could go about our everyday lives. And it's not about a set of tasks to do, because when Jesus is on the cross, he screams out to Telestai, that it is finished. It's how do we go about our daily walk with Jesus, not with a certain set of tasks to be God, but as a reminder to ourselves that Jesus said, it is finished. He did it. How do we live our lives knowing that and keeping that forefront in our minds? When I look at these verses, there were a few things that stuck out to me. 
And I wanted to ask this question. Let's say you want a brand new car. You found out you got a brand new car and you go to the car lot and it's a, it's a car lot. They have used cars, they have new cars, they have everything in between. And he says, hey, I've got four different lots that you can choose from. Any car that you want. We got the bad lot, like the lemon lot, right? We got the good lot. We got the better lot and we got the best lot. Which car are you going to choose? What lot? Best lot. You want the best, right? When I see, when I look at these verses, I, some words really stuck out to me. The first one was the bad. And it says we're all sinners. That's the bad news. Then we get to the good news that in that verse 1 it says an advocate. We have an advocate in Jesus. That's the good news. And then later I see that you can know him, that is Jesus, so that's the better news. And the best news, it says, if you follow Jesus and walk with him, that the love of God will be made complete in you. Chapter 1, we saw if you have fellowship with God and you walk with him, your joy will be made complete. So that's the best. That's what John wants for you and he wants for me. He wants the best for you. He wants your joy to be complete. He wants the love of God to be complete within you. And he tells us how to do that as a daily reminder for all of us. So I was 19 years old. I found out my son is on his way into this world. And so I said, I'm going to quit college. I'm going to just get a full-time job. I've got to take care of my son. And the first job that I landed was uh, working for a, a boat factory, creating bass boats. And I was the guy in the back, like, doing all the wiring and putting on the mounts for the motors and, and all this stuff. And um, half of the people there got high in the parking lot and they were fun to be around. Like they were happy, they are happy to be there. Um, the other half hated life, like didn't want to be there. And those guys that hated life are on either side of where I'm at because the boats are on like these rollers. And if I'm done, I like roll them up and accidentally I like hit bump one of their boats and they just like scream and throw tools. and. It was a terrible job, like 12 hours a day. We started a Saturday, uh, eight hours on Saturday as well. Fiberglass in your arms, it stunk in there. I just hated the job. And they had this policy within the first six months, you couldn't be late twice or you'd be fired. Well, I was late one time, and I was really just wanting to quit and find something else. And, but I knew if I, got, if I just quit, I wouldn't get unemployment. I'm, conf I'm confessing to you here. I'm confessing my sins. We got to do that every once in a while. And so one day I was like, I had enough of this. This is ridiculous. And I waited at the clock till one minute after. Can't believe it. Forgive me, Lord. And like an hour later, my manager was like, hey, I need you to come in here. And, you know. I was like, oh, darn, I'm getting fired. <laughs> oh, so sad. But I, I tell you that to um, just ask, does, does your boss expect you to be on, on work, at work at, on time every day? Yeah. Will you be at work on time every single day? Probably not. Some of you will. Do you want to be on work? Every, you know, on time every day, yeah, we all, we all do. And that's the way with sin, right? Like, 
Our Heavenly Father, his will for us is to be on time, like to not sin. And our desire is to not sin. But we do. We're sinful people. And so that's the bad news, right? That's the bad lot that we all are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. It, it breaks our relationship and fellowship with, with God. But the good news, and, and here it is in verse 2, or in part of verse 1, it says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That is the good news, that we have an advocate. Did you know when you pray to God that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you, right? Like we just can't really know what to say very well. Um, the Holy Spirit intercedes, but also Jesus intercedes for us. And he intercedes and he says to God, like, I am the one that took the sin on the cross. I am the one that fulfilled. That my blood covered his or her sins, that he intercedes for us, that he is our advocate, that, that he goes to God who is the judge. He goes in front of the judge to advocate for you and for me. That is who Jesus is. It's like he is our defense attorney. And as a defense attorney, you want the, the most that you can afford, right? We don't want a public defender. We want like that guy that's on the billboard. Like we want to pay as much as we could possibly pay for a public defender, and that's who Jesus is. I heard this comment, I read this commentary, and I thought it was really good, and I wanted to share it with you. It says that Jesus, as our defender, as our public defender, he goes in front of the judge, who is God, on your behalf and on my behalf. And as he stands there, he says, He's guilty. He's guilty of the sin and of the, of the charges that he has. And he's actually done more worse than just that. And he deserves death. He's the worst defense attorney ever. <laughs> he says, but can I approach the bench? And he approaches the bench and he says, he's guilty, but I paid his fines. I paid it all. God says, guilty is charge. Penalty paid for. I release them into your custody, into your care. That's who we are as Christians. That God, that Jesus, our defense attorney, goes to the judge, to God, and says, I'm staying, I've paid the price. Yes, they're guilty but I paid the price. What a wonderful God that we serve. Penalty is satisfied. Verse number two, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And that is a really big word, propitiation. Anyone use that on a daily basis? Right? You put that in your email this week, <laughs> propitiation. Hopefully there's spell check. But propitiation means that somebody is angry and they're justified in their angry, but the propitiation satisfies that anger. The anger of God because of our sin. He's holy. He's all light. He can't be around sin. And Jesus is the propitiation that he satisfies 
that righteous, sin, that righteous anger of God. That Jesus was the propitiation for you and for me. Verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. This is the better. This is the better. We come to know him if we keep his commandments. Keep in the Greek word is like you're guarding something, right? You got to keep your eye on it. You're responsible to keep your eye on something. To keep is to guard or keep your eye on it. The commandments or the teachings of Jesus, all that Jesus teaches us and how he, lives his, how he lived his life on earth. Those are the commandments of Jesus. Now, when I read that, my tendency, maybe you can relate to this. Verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. My tendency is to feel guilty that I'm never living up to God's standard when I read that. Anyone else? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> That's my tendency when I read that. But I think when we read that, we have to remind ourselves that keeping and obeying God's commandments, Jesus' commandments, is loving Jesus, right? Putting God, loving God first. Abiding, like you'll, you'll see that word a lot throughout 1 John is abiding. That means we stay connected, right? Connected to God. Like we pray and read the Bible and we fellowship with one another. And following Jesus, right? And when we do that, the Bible promises us that the Holy Spirit works within us. The power of God that works within us to enable us to, over time, as we grow to be more like Christ, to do that more and more. And when we fail, we have an advocate in Jesus. Because we will fail. As Jesus said, it is, it is finished. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word in him truly... The love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. When I read this, I, when, we, when I say finding our true life in Christ, this is what really sticks out to me here. That we put our faith and trust in, in Christ and we confess our faith that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead after the third day. And we're baptized, right? We take that step of obedience to be baptized. And then after that, we, we're finding our true life in Christ. Like, what does God want me to do? He says, well, love God and love others. To love Jesus, is, as we read, is to follow him. And as we do that, we get the best that God wants for us, that, that God's love is perfected in us through his power. As we're sanctified. And our joy can be made complete. We can have fellowship with God and with others that our joy can be made complete. And how do you do that? Whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we will know that we are in him if we abide 
in Christ. Jesus says that God is the vine and we are the branch. If you are cut off from the vine, then the branch withers. That we have to stay connected to God. The branch can't do anything other than just stay connected to God. And God, through His power, He flows through us and we produce fruit. That we have to abide in Christ. We have to put Jesus first and to follow Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. So for the application for today, I want you to pray that you would know God's love for you because of Jesus. And that you would love Jesus back. That you would abide. Jesus says, for those that come after me must pick up their cross and die daily and follow me. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose himself? What does it profit? And when I think of profit, you gain the whole world but you lose yourself, to me, losing yourself means you've missed the whole point of life. That it's all about Jesus. That you missed it. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. He says I am eternal life. Like what is heaven? Like Jesus says I am eternal life. Like it's all about me. So how do you apply these verses to your life daily? When I see that, it's like this mindset that we have every single day to say, hey, I am a sinner, but I have an advocate in Jesus. And he goes to the judge for me. He it is finished. God forgives me of my sins. I confess those to him, and I can have a fellowship and relationship with Jesus as I continue to follow him, like God's working in me to make me more like Jesus. I just have to stay connected. And as I do that, that the love of God and the joy of God is perfected within me. It's that simple. It's like a daily thought process. Like, yes, I'm a sinner, but God, thanks be to God for Jesus. Lord, help me stay connected to you today. And I trust that your power will then create joy and love within me. So today you may be asking, can I trust Jesus? Can it really be that easy? I trust myself. Like, I want to do something, right, to be made right with, with God? Or I'd rather just be critical of a, chur a church and people versus G just being about Jesus. So I want to encourage you in this today that the reason that you are here, that the reason that you are breathing is because of Jesus. The meaning of life is to know and to have fellowship with Jesus, to know the love of Christ, to look to the cross and to know the love that God has for you because of his son Jesus. To know that your sins are forgiven, that you have an advocate because of Jesus. And that Jesus wants you to follow him. 
If this is the first time you've ever heard that, or if God's working in your heart, all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a, I am a sinner, but I want to be made right with a God who is all light. I want that fellowship. I want to be made right. I want to stop depending upon myself and depend upon Jesus. God is just and quick and righteous to forgive us of our sins because of Jesus. If that's you today, I would love to have a conversation with you after service and pray for you, encourage you. It's good for you. He wants what's best for you. So Jesus, in John chapter 6, I'm going to read this to you as we begin to reflect on the Lord's Supper. Um, we're going to do that here in just a few moments. But I thought it was fitting for today in the sermon to look at John chapter 6 as it relates to the bread and as it relates to Jesus and what Jesus said. You may have heard the story about when Jesus fed the 5,000. After this miracle, Jesus went across the sea with his disciples, and all of the crowd found out that Jesus went across the sea. And they were over there. And they found Jesus. And you would think Jesus would be like, hey, it's my buddies, the 5,000. But he didn't say that. He said, I, I think you're just here because you want your bellies full. Wow. What a shocker. And then we read in John chapter 6, 7, here's what he told them, 47 through 51. I would encourage you to go read it. He told them a bunch of things. I thought this was interesting. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. As Jesus is telling them, shouldn't be looking for that bread that I fed you. I, I, I am the bread. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. He's talking about the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness. And God would feed them manna from heaven. And he's saying, they ate the manna and they died, but I am the bread of life. I am the one that God sent down as the bread of life. And whoever eats of me as the bread of life will not die. And it's a representation, I think, as well of that, that Jesus is our daily bread. That he is what sustains us throughout the day. That he is the manna from heaven. That we need Jesus every day. Verse 50 says this, this is the bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. You would think that was really encouraging to the people. 
to his disciples, those that are falling across the sea, you would think that would be incredibly encouraging to say, I am the one that you've been waiting for. I am the one that Peter said that you are the Messiah, that you are the chosen one, you are the Son of God. <laughs> but what did they say? What happened in John chapter 6? We'll start off in 66. Verse 66. After he said these things to them, the Bible says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And here's what Peter, who also said who Jesus was. Listen to this closely. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So my prayer for you and for me to be reminded and all of us to be reminded is that Jesus is the living bread, that he is the reason for life, the purpose for life. And Jesus says, hey, just come follow me. Just put your faith in me. I, I am the son of God. And he wants the best for you and for all of us. So I'm going to pray and then... I'm going to have Doug come up, and we are, we're going to go ahead and start the Lord's uh, Supper. We like to do that the first Sunday of every month. Um, so let me pray first, and then we'll get started. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, today. Lord, thank you for Jesus, that he is the bread of life, that he is the living water. That we would never hunger, we would never thirst, that Jesus would provide all that we need no matter what circumstances we are no matter what's going on in life Lord that when we hear this about it's all about your son Jesus that Lord we would not turn and walk away because a lot of times Lord we, we want it to be about us like what can we do to make you proud of us There are, there are things in my life I would rather not give up to follow Jesus. So Lord, I, I pray that we, we see Jesus for who he is. That he is better than anything this world has to offer. That, that following him is, it brings us joy. And it helps our love to be complete, made complete. Your love. Lord, I pray that in our lives and in True Life Community Church that we put Christ above everything. Head of the church, Lord of our lives. That we're reminded daily of the sacrifices that you made, that Jesus made for us. And we trust Jesus because of that. And he is trustworthy. He has our best interests at heart. And he asks us to do hard things. 
It takes a lot of faith. But that we would see Jesus as better. Lord, I pray today that you would bless this time as we reflect. Lord, as we take the elements, as we do this in remembrance of your son Jesus, I pray you would honor this time and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.